Welcome back for another episode of the AWG Podcast, where we discuss the biggest topics and trends in the water sport and boat tour industry. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list by visiting watersportpodcast.com. After you finish listening, continue the conversation in our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. They come to relax. Enjoy the beach. Have fun and spend money. And that's where we come in. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. Find out tips on the best ways to market and operate a water sports business. If you're a water sports operator, you need to grow your brand, operate more safely, upgrade your operations, and of course, increase bookings. We're industry veterans broadcasting from Destin, Florida. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. And this is Kevin O'Neill and Greg Fisher. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Awkward Water Sports Guy podcast, episode 28. Today, we're going to be talking about online distribution and reselling your tours and activities, which we've been kind of holding off for a little while to get into this episode because this is a nuanced topic that I think we are just ready to to start discussing, especially since we're getting into the season and everyone's looking for opportunities to reach new customers. So uh, we have our guest, Christian Watts from Magpie Travel. Christian also is an operator himself with uh, Hop and Hop Off Buses in San Francisco. So he comes from it on, I think, both sides because Magpie is somewhat of a, um, you know, they work with OTAs and content distribution. We had a really fun time. We just finished the interview and and I think uh, this was one of our favorites. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's 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 something it's something that's near and dear to me. I like to big up OTAs and then bitch about them. It's when you talk to people, they that they, they do they hit that like ah twenty percent or twenty twenty five percent or whatever. But we're gonna get into all this stuff in the episode. But I uh, I would like to I would like to just state that before before going into this episode, my position on on the OTA thing. I don't I didn't get to put a stamp on it. I think. I would like to see OTAs do educating customers more. You know, at the end of the day, they are marketing partners for your business, but I would like to see some more education coming from from OTAs. You know, Greg, you've always been vocal about my products and what we've offered and we've had a lot of conversations and ways to enhance uh enhance our products. So when you when we talk about OTAs not being equal on the show when you hear me say that, I think that is the the, the clear difference. It's not just customer service, but it's helping you to grow your business. So if you're asking yourself, is an OTA right for me? Uh, I think the better question you need to ask that OTA is, how are you going to help me grow my business? Not just put asses in seats. Yeah. And you know, we go back to the conversation for the last episode about Groupon. Groupon is a quasi OTA. You know, they're they're reselling your tickets. Look at how bad things went with Groupon because lack of customer education. They just yeah. wanted to throw those deals out there as quick as possible, make as much money, and no one really continued working with them after these failed upon failed deal and no one wins at the end. Now their model has changed and I, I think that they're on a better track. So I don't want to poo-poo on them. Uh, because they've really done a good job learning from their mistakes and making the process a lot, a lot better. But it just goes like, you're right, Kevin, I, I agree 100% educating, educating the consumer. And like Christian said, you might not like everything that the distributor offers or the reseller offers. 
you may just have to decide, okay, well, this is the offer and I'm just going to, I'm just going to deal with it. Just like when you buy, you go to the store and you buy a cheap product, like, okay, I'm getting a good price, but it only works so well. And that's just the way it is. And sometimes with reselling, you're given those decisions. Well, like it, like any, like anything else, like any, any subject we talk about here on the show, um, it's up to you to listen and decide what's best for you, what works for your business. And my last piece of advice before going to this episode is to look at an OTA like you look at anything else, like a like a like a jet ski brand, like a boat brand, uh, like a, uh, like a piece of safety equipment, any anything it is that you offer, uh, you have to see what you can draw from it, what you can get out of it, what kind of usages you can get from it, and how. And if it makes a right fit for your company. All right, Kevin, you ready for the interview? Fuck yeah. Let's get awkward. All right, guys, we're here with Christian Watts, CEO of Magpie Travel. Christian, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here and and chat about all things, um, well, whatever we're going to get into today. I'm, I'm ready for it. Animated GIFs and emojis. No, today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about online travel agencies, distributors, reseller, whatever you want to call them. And the reason why we waited so long to do this show is because we wanted to have Christian Watts, world famous Christian Watts. You might have seen him on Facebook groups, on different podcasts, at conferences uh, worldwide. So we're really happy to have Christian on the show. So Christian, as we like to do, we want to know a little bit about who you are, uh, where you came from, what your current venture is, Magpie Travel. Yeah, love to talk about about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm from the UK, from Newcastle, Northeast UK, Northeast England. Came to San Francisco 20 something years ago now. I, I came out for the summer to ride a pedicab. That was the best job I ever had, riding a pedicab around Fisherman's Wharf. I did that for six summers during college and afterwards. You know, riding a pedicab is kind of in the travel industry, if you think about it. We were doing tours around San Francisco. So how do you scale a pedicab? Well, you buy a bus. So I grabbed two people, bought a bus and started doing bus tours around San Francisco. Had no idea what I was doing at the start. We bought one bus, bought a van, bought a third bus and a fourth bus, just kind of scrambled through it doing city tours and tours of the wine country and made just a ton of mistakes. Um, then started buying double-decker buses. We started the first hop-on, hop-off tours of San Francisco. That was a huge success. Then we got tons of competition. So now that, well, there was five companies pre-COVID, um, but that's been a really interesting ride as well, doing the hop-on, hop-off thing. And then about 18 months ago, I started uh, Magpie, which is a software platform built just for the tours and activities industry. So what it does basically is, is I'd go to all these trade shows, the, the IPWs and WTMs and all these, all these trade shows all around the world, trying to resell double-decker bus tours, right? So I'd sit down with the Expedias and the Viators, and not just them, but a ton of offline distributors, resellers as well. And we'd sit with them, have a meeting, discuss how they're going to sell our products. And they'd all say, okay, great, send us your information. And then the next week, we'd email them a Word doc or an Excel spreadsheet or PDF of all this content. And it just took months to get everything loaded up onto their websites. It's just a bit broken. And every tour company would send them a different format and a different kind of file. And it's a whole piece of the industry that's just broken. And we work with about 150 resellers. So whenever, whenever you make a change to a bus stop or something, or there's a, a marathon this weekend, you'd have to send that to 150 resellers so that they can update their website. 
So that's what Magpie does. It stores that information. It's a single source of truth. You store it on Magpie, and from there, we distribute that to anybody who sells your product. So that's what I'm doing 90%, and I started it just pre-COVID. We kind of launched it at this time last year, just as things were going down. So it's been an interesting 12 months, but yeah, really excited about the prospects and where we go from here. And as things start to open up, there's been a lot of movement in the last few weeks, especially. So really excited to be in that space and also in the double-decker bus space as well in, in California. Today, um, you know, episodes about online resellers, distributors, give us our listeners just an idea of like what that means, because I would imagine most of our listeners are mostly selling direct, if not all direct. You know, what does it mean to distribute your products? Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the word OTA is kind of taken over partly because it's a simple word and people start to understand you know, online travel agent OTA. It, it's an easy way to refer to people. But the, the OTAs for me are a small part of it. So. Like I said, I have 150 Viator, Expedia, Get Your Guide off off three of them, but they're not the biggest. So, and, and it is it, it does depend what kind of product, right? So I'm hop on up off in San Francisco if I put my bus hat on, and that's quite a it's quite a broad based product, and we're just trying to get volume. So for me, the goal has always been to get all these contracts with anybody who sells travel to San Francisco and get them to add a double decker bus tour to their package or to sell it direct. And travel specifically, it's it's a distribution problem, right? Because if people are traveling more than a certain distance, that they're by definition all over the world when they come to San Francisco. So for me to reach all those people in, in Taiwan and the UK and, and in Turkey, I, I don't know how to reach those people. All I've got is Google, right, to reach it, the internationals and maybe Facebook. So I look at these distributors as my marketing team in those markets. So if I want to reach British people, British people still got to travel agents and book their tours on travel agents. So if I want to speak to them, I need to be in that travel agent. In Taiwan, I, I don't know. They use an app. I don't know how to, I've got no idea how to reach those people in Taiwan through the app. So I use a local OTA or distributor to reach those people. So for me, it's, it's a, it's a marketing team in all these different markets. So it's a way to expand. And it's often it's the only way I can expand my marketing and my reach is to go through partners, which is how I look at these OTAs and distributors, that they're partners. Yeah. And so from like a local perspective, so if you're a, you know, a small to medium-sized business and, and you're looking for distribution, a distributor could be something as simple as I don't know, like a vacation rental company. You can resell with your local CVP. You can resell with concierge booths across your destination. So it, there's a very broad reach when it comes to the distribution or reselling. And no matter how you slice it, though, there usually is a commission involved in reselling. And that uh, strikes a chord with a lot of folks. And there's also other other things. And I'm just going to mention five or six items that when you hear distribution, reselling, performance-based marketing, I guess it all falls in that. Some concerns that uh, operators have, especially in water sports, because we, we work with hundreds of water sport companies on TripShock, and I hear the same, the same things over and over again. But it's not just with water sports, it's all over. So uh, for example, commissions are too high. Uh, I'm concerned about overbooking or customer service failures. I'm already busy enough. I can't control my content. My ad agency or quote unquote marketing guy already does this for me. And the reseller is competing with me on Google. So those are like six things that I hear all the time. And Christian, I want you to go ahead and take one of those things 
and let's let's get. Hey, I'll give you all six. I'm happy. <laughs> let's let's go for it. Um, no, I just want to respond <laughs> to your previous point as well. So, I, I know you, you have a lot of local uh, uh, listeners who have a, a larger local market, and that's fine. And I think we we do, and and it's, it's maybe it's the conference scene. You do we do get caught up thinking that the whole world is about get your guide and Viator TripAdvisor. It's not often from even in San Francisco, our biggest resellers is is Johnny on the street corner who's got like a, a little kiosk and those can easily outperform TripAdvisor. Wyndham uh, Vacation Ownership was always one of our biggest customers. They're, they're, there's nothing wrong with that. They're equally as big as these large OTAs. So whatever's working for your market is is great. When I say resellers, it just means somebody else selling your product. So let's start at the top. Commission is it's always a great one, right? So yes, they want commission. They need to get paid. They They are selling... They're, they're there for a reason. If they're if they're Johnny on the street corner or they're Wyndham vacation ownership, they want to get paid for selling your product. For, in my experience, the, the OTAs want to get twenty five, sometimes thirty percent. Often locally, at least in San Francisco and markets like New York and places like that, it gets bid up to even higher than that. It gets to thirty five, forty percent sometimes. It's a problem. I've always had the belief that you just got to price your commission in to your product in the first place. Whenever I sell a double-decker bus tour, 25% of it is priced in. And I expect to give that away to a partner. For me, it doesn't matter who sells it. OTA, Johnny on the street corner, Google ads, uh, maybe Facebook ads. I just expect to give away 25% of that ticket. If I'm going direct, hey, that's great. That's just gravy. That's just extra money in my pocket. But I go in there with the idea that I can I can give away twenty five percent on everything that I sell, and I'll be okay. So that's that's kind of my mindset on that. I expect to get seventy five percent of the money, not a hundred percent of the money. Yeah. Now, when you when you price your tours, you take in consideration the commission that you're gonna that you're gonna pay to agencies. Is that what you're exactly? Yeah. Something I wanted to uh, something I wanted to kind of like hop on here because I think a lot of times we get really hung up on you know OTAs commission. There's just with the, from the commission standpoint alone. So if somebody's taking 20%, 25%, 30%, whatever it may be, whatever you're giving them, you've got to ask, in my opinion, you got to ask what you're getting back on that. It's not just that customer. And I think that's a problem that some OTAs, resellers, Johnny on the street corner has, that, that there's there's still an extension of your brand. There's still an extension of your message. They're, as you said, Christian, uh, to an extent, um, they're partners. So the, I think the question operators need to ask themselves, are they good ones? Are they good partners? Are they doing just more than acquiring traffic? My, my thought process, if they're just acquiring traffic, I can do that. I'm pretty good at acquiring traffic. Now, granted, my market, that's, I'm good at that. Maybe if I'm selling, reselling 500 seats on a double-decker bus, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. But in the water sports arena, we do have 100 passenger boats and some companies have multiple 100 passenger boats and they do have to fill those seats and they deal with all the same things you're talking about. So you have to, in my opinion, you have to make sure that that they are getting more than just the commission or more than just the customer. You have to do your due diligence on those OTAs and make, and it's something I, I say on this show all the time. Uh, because they do want to call themselves your partner, but you have if you're acting in my best interest, then you're my partner. But if you have no customer services, if there's no back end, like I have a real problem with TripAdvisor. I, I'm very vocal about it. I, I I have a real issue with the things that they scale back on and the lack of customer service they have. 
And at the end of the day, their business model, and I don't, I don't know about Get Your Guide. Um, I only, at this point, uh, TripShock and, and TripAdvisor are now my only, uh, my, the only OTA that I work with. And Trip, uh, TripAdvisors, I scale them uh, accordingly. So the question is, like, do you have any backend customer service? Are you doing anything other than just treating my business as a commodity. And I think that's the problem where a lot of operators have it take issue with OTAs is, is because that there's there's just nothing other than you're giving me a customer for 25%. And if you're a savvy marketer and you acquire that same customer for 10%, you can't sort of feel like, what are you doing for the extra 15% other than making your profit? Like, do you have anything there that you're there when I need you? Right. So, you know, you make, you make a fair point with, with the customer service thing. And I think, but I think going into the, each of these partnerships, it kind of is what it is, right? If you're going to pay money, if you're going to pay money to Google, you don't expect them to do customer service. If you can get traffic from Google for 10%, then good for you. If you don't think TripAdvisor's got great customer service, but they can deliver bookings, you're not going to change the part of the customer service that they deliver. So you just got to accept what what they deliver, how much customer information they're going to give you, how much customer, how much they're going to help you with that communications, and then look at that and decide if it's worth the money for you. And I think each of them are different. Each of them will do a different level of customer service. Each of them come with a different level of hassle as far as how they send bookings and how you need to redeem them. And then I think you look at each one independently and decide if that's worth it. But it's it but it's. It, it sounds like you're you're more sort of focused on them, and are they doing enough for their money, and do they deserve the twenty five percent? For me, I don't really care about them. I care about me, and that's I'm kind of a little, been a little bit facetious here, but it's about is this worth the seventy five percent to me? And I I don't really care if what what they spend on their marketing on their side and and what they do produce or don't produce. It's it's what it's worth it for me. And for me, 25% is a reasonable fee just to get a customer, as long as they're not giving me too much hassle to deal with in the first place, which which gives brings out another couple of points about the overbooking and, and maybe some res tech questions in here as well. But Can I follow up? <laughs> no, there's no follow up. I, 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 yeah, there is. I got I know you don't like gifts. You don't like Central Time. You're not gonna like my fucking follow ups, Mister <laughs> What is Central Time anyway? What, what is that? Somewhere like Oklahoma? I don't know what that is. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Oklahoma. It should just be Eastern Time and Pacific Time. That's why do you need an extra what? one in the middle there? I, I don't know, man. You got you got me stumped on that. Why do we need daylight savings time? That's that. I think that's more of like an existential question, which we don't really do on this show. <laughs> What's a central time? What what time are you on? Pacific. Let's focus. Come on, I knocked you off track there. Let's get back on track. No, you no no you didn't. I thought you said you're in the UK. Are you still in California? I missed that part. I thought maybe you took your riches and took your double decker buses and went back to old jolly old England or whatever. No, been, been in California the whole time. <laughs> Sitting in the sunshine. Oh, okay. I wasn't. Well, you said you know I'm from I, I'm from Northern UK, but I wasn't sure if you went like I thought. Maybe you went back there. So I thought maybe you gave up your accent when you leave and go to California, and you have more of like a surfer. Um, yeah. So there is there is a follow there is a follow up to that because as as an entrepreneur, and you well know this, is that we have we have an obligation to solve problems. That's why Magpie exists, right? You saw you saw a need. You saw obviously inconsistencies in people's content. Good on you, by the way. If there's if there's a hole there, if there's a problem with their business model, if if I have to, if it's not worth the twenty five percent to me. It would barely worth the twenty percent to begin with. So I I it's not worth twenty five percent to me when I look at what I can. When 
so you referenced Google. You said like, oh, well, 10%. Well, Google's like 10%. And then I, everything just comes through. I take a direct booking. I take an online booking. There's no hoops that I have to jump through and then pay an additional 15%. I have access. I get my customers' emails. Like there's, And again, it's just I've worked with a couple different OTAs and just TripAdvisor, the, the way they did things, like changing changing my prices, changing uh, uh, changing the commission structure without having a conversation. I don't think that's really in the spirit of good business. So I see what you're saying. At the end of the day, you're just saying, fuck it. It's 75%, right? We're putting an ass in a seat that otherwise wouldn't be there. Would I, Would that be a correct assumption? Yeah. I mean, you, you bring up fair points. You know, we do want to work with partners that, that do the right thing. And I'm not going to sit and defend TripAdvisor's changing your prices. I, I don't think they, I don't think they dealt with that very well. Well, they shouldn't be changing your prices or if they want to, they should communicate that with you before they do it. So you can decide if you want to be part of that or not. Changing the commission structure, same thing. And that was other OTAs as well that sent out an email to say, we're changing your commission as of today. That's not right. I, I'm, not, I'm not going to sit and defend that. People should do things in the right way. But end of the day, you do have to look at it and, and make a decision. And you might not agree with the way they do things, but is it better for you, even though they've done that, still to work with them? And that's a tough one. That's a tough call that we all have to deal with. That's fair. Because end of the day, they're going to be there. So whether, you, whether you're on that website or not, they are still going to run their website and your competitors will be on that website. They kind of don't really care if you're – I mean, they, they, they do care. I don't, I don't want to say that. But they're going to run their business – they're going to I think you were right the first time. Okay. I, I think you had it right the first time. I don't think they care. I truly <laughs> well, don't. I, I don't. That, they treat us as a commodity. So no, I, I have a huge I – take, I take issue with that. No. You know, they, they forsake my brand. They, they make mistakes on communication. But if you meet the people at these OTAs, they, they do care. Maybe, maybe, they're, maybe their shareholders don't. Maybe, you know, maybe the, and maybe their shareholders shouldn't care. But the, the people who work for travel companies, in my experience, do care because this industry attracts people – with a passion for travel. And those product managers and those account managers do care about suppliers and they want suppliers to succeed. And yes, the communications department kind of screw it up sometimes and it comes across like they don't. But in most cases, I think they do. Christian, I want to jump in, jump in here. You make a good point because when I go to the conferences and I speak to the OTA reps, these are these are my colleagues. I, I see people who really care, who are really passionate. And then a month later, you see some of the things that Kevin said, rates changing. Do you think this is somewhat driven by being a public company and driven by investors like, hey, you know, we're not we're not hitting the numbers. And kind of all that goodwill goes out the door sometimes because at the end of the day, these are public companies, there's expectations. Yeah, that's fair. They're, they're, they're here to make money. Quite what I just said about the people on the front lines that we speak to, that those people do care. But ultimately, it's a public company and it's all about EBITDA, right? It's all about profit. The people you speak to, these account managers, I believe do care, most of them, about your business and they want to help you and they want to help you sell more. But at the same time, there's another meeting going on at their corporate headquarters with somebody in uh, finance saying, hey, you've got to turn the dial here a bit on these commissions. We need to get some more profit down to the bottom line. So those conversations are both happening at the same time. And, and within their companies, there's an internal battle with the account managers probably fighting more for the suppliers. But the CFO is just pushing, pushing, pushing on trying to squeeze as much as so that, that's always a battle, right? That's never going to that's never going to not be a battle. They want to make more commission. You want to give them less commission. You have 
the bus tour business, which my guess is on a free sell. Correct. We do some packaging, which requires reservations, but yeah. And folks, if, if you're not familiar with a free sell, a free sell is basically like a ticket that doesn't necessarily have an expiration. You can go any day. Um, so it's not what you guys are probably selling, which you're selling tours, which you're they're picking a scheduled date and time. So I just want to make sure everyone understands the difference between free sell and, and allocation. So um, I think it's easier to pay a commission on a free sell item than it is to pay a commission on a scheduled tour, just for the fact that there is less inventory on schedule than it is on a free sell schedule, which probably makes it easier to absorb a commission. I mean, just, just from being at, at TripShock and working with attractions that do free sell and then tours, I can understand, you know, when you sell that that ticket and it's good for seven, eight days, it's a lot different. It, the, the perishability of that that ticket is a lot different than someone who books a tour at this time. There's only 10 seats on the boat. You know, there's li- is limited availability. So I think it's uh, when it comes to like building a commission into your pricing, I don't know. I think there's some differences between the allocation of your your tickets. So, you know, I wish I'd listened to your your pricing episode before this. I, I didn't. But we, one of our biggest selling products is with Alcatraz, right? <clears throat> Alcatraz is the ultimate allocation product. It sells out months in advance or, or it used to. And we get a very strict allocation and we pay less commission on that, um, partly because we don't get paid commission on the Alcatraz piece of it. But ultimately, this is all dealt with by or it should be dealt with by price, right? So it's, dynamic pricing is the answer to all of these things. And I don't care how many seats you've got, you should be, if you're running 100% efficiently, you should be selling the last seat on your bus, boat, bike, whatever it is, a minute mm-hmm. before you take off. And that's that's what the airlines try to do. Obviously, it's difficult, but you should get your price to a place where you only just sell out a minute before. And it's the price that adjusts that, that gets you to that place, whether that's up or down, which is dynamic pricing. Yeah, that's so there's and, and and this is anecdotally. This is just people in my market that I've spoken to we, in water sports. We've I've I've heard quite cuz I I'm in agreement with you. And and I think it becomes a really delicate balance especially when you're trying to I think our first episode was branding versus commoditizing or a brand, you know, is your product a brand is your product a, a product a commodity. And I think that's the most difficult problem in uh, in, in tourism and in travel, because you are dealing with, you're, you're correct, you are dealing with the passion. But when the market is so predominantly, well, dominated by commodities, you have uh, hotel rooms, uh, flights, this is like going to be how you go, where you stay. But then you get into this other section of it where it is about passion and it is about your brand. You are trying to stand out as being the best you know, walking tour or, you know, hop on, hop off or uh, jet ski rental, whatever it may be. We all have, we're all sitting in this room having this conversation because we have a a passion, not just for travel, but for what what it is that we do when we get there. But at the same time, it is sort of a commodity, right? You are competing in a pool of things to do. In that regard, I feel that some people feel as though dynamic pricing takes away from their brand it depersonalizes the um the experience to a degree would you say that that's that you've heard that and on your side because christian's sort of from like a different sector from water sports guys if you haven't 
caught this. Like your <laughs> group is a little, it's a little different breed than the water sport people. But I mean, would you say that, that you've seen a, have you seen, I should ask, have you seen a pushback from the community to the dynamic pricing? Absolutely. So let me, let me come back on two things. So one, I, I hate to agree with you so much, but this commodity thing. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> really, really smart guy. Cool. I'm smart and good looking. I know. No, <laughs> it's a tough thing that. to handle. But, um, <laughs> No, on, on the commodity thing, I've, I've, um, I always push back on the hotel people and airline people and tell them that they've got a commodity and we don't. But they look at it the other way. They think the hotel rooms are all unique and that the activities are all commoditized. Different debate, mm. but it's interesting how we all look at Because I think we all think our products are, are unique, right? Because you've got a different size engine to the guy next door because you know about that. But often the customer doesn't and they think it's and they think it's all the same. On, on your point, though, Yes, there's a massive pushback on dynamic pricing. We all expect it when we're buying a, a, an airline ticket, and we all expect it when we're buying a hotel, but we don't expect it currently when we're buying tours and attractions and, and activities. But that doesn't, make, that doesn't mean we have to go. And, and, and you know, I think a lot of that is we often, most of us, I think, still print brochures, right, with prices on them. And as soon as you've got something printed, that you don't. because you No, you should have listened to our episode on uh, physical... Uh, physical marketing. Yeah, well, where are you, man? You're missing all of our great shows, man. We are fucking awesome. I listened, I listened to the first one and thought, this is a waste of time. I'm not coming back. <laughs> I love it. I think nice. the first one was the TripAdvisor one where you wound me up. But um, <laughs> no, if you, so if you talked about this print thing, I, I, that is what restricts a lot of people changing the pricing. Because if you've printed $49 for whatever, and the customer walks up and you want to charge them 69 it's, it's just difficult. So yeah. that, that's that's a big factor. There's also the people bring this up all the time that I don't want people on my bus or my boat talking to each other and having paid different prices. But you know what? When did you last sit on a plane and ask the person next to you how much you paid for that ticket? People are used to it now and they accept yeah. that you if you go through Groupon, you pay this price. If I walked up last minute, I may pay more, I may pay less. And I also say, and I, I imagine your listeners can relate to this, a lot of bus tickets are, are sold on the street next to the bus. That that person gives discounts all day long, right? If there's 20 seats left on my boat and it's leaving in five minutes, that's dynamic pricing. There's a group of 12 walk up. We're going to give them a 20% discount or more, right? I'll give all the kids a free. I just want to fill up this boat. So that's that's dynamic pricing. And I think we do it all day without really knowing we're doing it if we have that control, especially with street tickets. So I think people need to ad- adapt and learn that dynamic pricing is not bad. Customers aren't going to get upset. And there's a ton of value in there. If you can get an extra 10% average ticket price by messing a little bit with your pricing, it's chunk of money, right? Let's change gears up real quick and jump into ResTech. You know, the event of using ResTech to connect to distributors because I remember when I started TripShock, we started 12 years ago, there was no really, there's no, was no res tech. We were basically taking bookings off of TripShock and then emailing them to the supplier. And that quickly has now turned to where most suppliers hesitate to even work with us if we do not connect with their reservation system. And I completely understand why, because now people using mobile phones, they're booking more last minute. They're not going to be able to get an email and fulfill that reservation you know, within hours. They're, they're just busy. You know, they got people in front of them 
it, uh, not every uh, operation has a call center that can take emails and input them. And so everything has, has completely changed. So, so Christian, I, I just kind of would like to get your thoughts on, have we basically seen uh, a new page turn in connectivity? Because I, I just don't see operators going back. I think if you're not connected, either you're an OTA reservation system, not connected, the future is is dim. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't see any reason today why a reasonably sized company is not using a res tech. I've, I've built my own software before. I, we, I built, I actually coded my own res tech solution. Like you said, 12 years ago, there wasn't anything. So we, so I wrote my own and then hired a company and hired people in to build, to build one in-house. And then three years ago, I started using one of these off-the-shelf ResTex, and I'd never go back. There's no reason today, first of all, why you're not using a ResTech, and there's definitely no reason to build something yourself, as far as I see. And there's so many great solutions out there. I know you have one, and there, there are others as well, and different ResTech solutions serve different types of companies and different niches, and they give you tons of additional value other than just the connectivity. Um, just to help you manage the manage the flow and schedule guides and vehicles and that sort of thing. So I, I don't I don't see a reason really why everyone's not adopting some some company some some res tech today. It's it's only going to get more digitized in the future. Things like we did we just mentioned dynamic pricing. You can do that to some degree with with different res techs, but it it is the way of the future. So I think you do need to get some solutions set up sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's it's real funny because I know Greg. I've been in I have I've been in water sports for God some years myself now, 13, 14 years I guess. And I before I owned my own company, I worked for an, a pretty large company who's just now getting into I think the last year and a ten figure company, and they're just now getting into ResTech. But but I think it's like everything that we're talking about right now, from ResTech to dynamic pricing to uh, OTAs, all of this stuff. I know for water sports and 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 again in the you know your space and the land based tours. Um, I don't know if it's the same thing. If there's been such an unwillingness to change, but I think as the and I and I say this all the time, but as the the buying experience as a total is changing. It not just with the way you book a plane or a hotel, but hell, by the way you buy your food. Uh, the way you, I mean, Amazon, the Amazon has changed how we do everything. We, and I hate to keep on plugging our shows, but we, we just, we've been taught, we did a show about upsells, how you could add things to your cart. And this is just common now. Like we talked about dynamic pricing software. All of these buying practices are just a commonality now in the marketplace. And I know for tours and activities, it's like, we're always kind of slow to, to, to catch up to these sort of things, but you know, everything we're talking about today, there, there is, and there's, as I compl- and I agree with you as far as the booking software and the res tech, that the value there, as I said, we're able to just pop in upsells one after another secret handshake, five bucks, boom, somebody will buy it. It's there, right? So somebody will buy it. And this is Amazon goes by the same thing. You know, they add a oh, it customers have bought this have frequently bought that package it together. So these are things that we're seeing in the in the marketplace as, as a total, not just in tours and activities. And I think it's it's hard for people that have historically won 
doing things the way that they've done it, physical marketing, one price or you know, lowest price guaranteed, like these type of old hat marketing techniques and tactics, they've won by that. So they're like, why would I want to change that? So I absolutely, I was just echoing your thought, I guess, that you know, we're starting to see all of these changes happen everywhere. So there's there's no reason that any company in 2021 shouldn't be using ResTech. And I, it's, I'm not anti OTA. Just so we're, I'm not, I'm, that's not me. I'm not against OTAs. I, I'm just against ones that I think are shitty. But I think all companies <laughs> that should be should be using OTAs. I, whatever, man. I'm, I, hey, I'm not. I, there's crappy res tech out there too. Let's just be honest. You know, like Fair Harbor is like they have some amazing. They have some amazing uh, features, and, and you know, so does so does Peak Pro. I can't speak to all of them, but all the stuff, none of it's created equal, but as you know, we should all be using. Well, you're not going to be able to to distribute your products to OTAs, resellers at the level that others can if you're not using reservation tech. You're just going to have tons of customer service and overbooking challenges. And what's beautiful beautiful about it that you can raise your if you're if you're able to distribute and reach you know, hundreds of more customers every week allows you to raise your price. If you're just doing it direct and you're getting 10 people a day on your booking portal and you can hook into, you know, TripAdvisor or some of these other big uh, OTAs and now you have a thousand, there's more opportunity to test new products, to raise your pricing. I mean, there's a myriad of things that that you can uh, accomplish, but you're not going to be able to do it the old fashioned way. You're going to have to get, get ResTech, get connected. So I, I want to, I know I want to switch and I want to, normally I never do this, but I want you to sell Magpie because I, I want you to go ahead and pitch because I think what you're doing is, I think it's awesome, man. I, I think it's a great idea and I think it's really cool. I don't, as I said, Christian's not paying us or anything to, to up his product. I've never looked at his like up close to Magpie. So tell us a little bit about Magpie. What is it exactly that you do and and why did you see a need for it? Well, I've got to sell you on it. First of all, it sounds like you think, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with you. But, uh, <laughs> I'm fucking awesome, dude. I do everything great, and I'm good looking. I don't know if I've mentioned that to you that I'm, I'm a very handsome guy. Yeah, let's do it. let's move on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so it, it yeah it's great. It just so just for tours and activities, right? So anybody with it doesn't matter if it's a boat tour, uh, uh, a bus tour, walking tour, bike tour, theme park, anything that you do in destination, and you upload. Well, first of all, we usually import products if if you're already on Viator or TripAdvisor or get your guide or someone the first way to get your products into Magpie is usually to import them and we can do that pretty easily it's a couple of clicks so for me for example in San Francisco with my double decker bus business we have about 25 products right with double decker buses and packages and we sell boat tours and everything else so we've got 25 products on Magpie the, the difficult thing which people don't always see is the, is the structure of those products, right? So you've got includes, excludes, um, you've got minimum height, maximum maximum weight, minimum age. You've got all these fields which are actually really important for selling your product sometimes. We collect all of that data. We, we structure it in the right format so that you can then resell that to, well, resend that to all of these distributors. So once it's on Magpie, what it, the, the, the key thing for a lot of people is it's a single source of truth, right? So a lot of companies internally can't point to a place where they have kind of the latest information on their product because they've got it on a Word doc over here. They've got some information on their website over there. They've got different information on their Facebook page. So first and foremost, it's a single source of truth where everyone in your company or 
tour guides or whoever it is can look at and say, this is the product we're selling. Once it's in Magpie, we can then help you. We can help you translate it. We don't do the translations, but we use third parties who can, if that's important. We can help you improve the descriptions, which I think a lot of people don't think about. They write a description once. They think it's good enough. They're not experts in writing descriptions, but think about it. That description is the closest contact you have to get that sale, assuming it's digital. It's only a customer looking at your web page, deciding in a few seconds if it's interesting, and in a few more seconds if they're going to hit that buy now button. And it doesn't take a lot for you to screw up and just not put some interesting content, not answer all their questions in those descriptions. And they're, as we all know, they're one click away from going on to the next website who is who is answering all the questions for them. So we help you collect that. We help you improve that data. And then if you want to expand your distribution, either to the OTAs or to a new reseller, you know, a new vacation ownership club locally or to a concierge, there's lots of different ways you can share that information. So you could point the local concierge to your Magpie page and have that content nicely written up. It could have information on how they can sell your product, how to contact you. Um, if it's connected real time. So basically just makes anybody who's trying to partner with you accessible so that you can, so that they can do a deal with you. That's one of the issues that I kind of brought up in, in why people are hesitant on working with OTAs because of the content consistency. And I think you've obviously realized this and probably one of the reasons why you started a uh, uh, magpie, but we have this issue really bad at TripShock. We get tours that have outdated photos. And then the funny thing is I go to their website and they have all brand new photos. And I said, well, man, we should have gotten these photos. So they've been on there for two years and it's just, it's not, it's like not something they think about. Oh, I'm going to go change my photos with my OTAs. Now they, they just, a lot of them are in a very like one track, you know, they're focusing on their stuff and not necessarily their distributors. And I understand like a lot of them are one, one person shows and, and they got a lot to, to worry about, but uh, having that single source of truth that does allow us to grab that new content and uh, and promote it because I mean just up I've seen listings go from hardly any bookings to gangbusters when we swapped out their photos. Content matters, and I wish I had like more concrete data to share, but content matters, and it's not just pictures. It's everything includes excludes things change. I mean, you can't tell me in five years that you're not things haven't changed in your tour. So you have to continually update that. But that's that's the thing we struggle most. We have 15, 1600 listings now on TripShock. And I'll tell you, like we have we struggle to update them and get the recent most recent information. Yeah. So the, the whole industry is just terrible. It's it's not just your operators. It's the whole industry. And it, and it goes all the way down from the biggest attractions in you know New York City and and, and Paris. They they struggle to update the, the best content. And I think it's one of those things that they, they do it once and they think it's done and then they walk away and they don't touch it for two years. You've just got to think. And on your own website, that's the, that's the best single page you have to sell your product. But also on these OTAs or any kind of resellers, these are billboards, right, that they sit out there. And not all, not all of them convert, not all of them end in, end in customers through the OTA. A lot of them, they might see you on Expedia and they might see your brand on there if you've well, Expedia does show the brand, and then they'll they'll come and book it locally. So you've got to think about them as being billboards as well. And for a lot of it, they they never thought about doing your product right. So if I've got a Segway tour in Paris, maybe that's not so relatable to your listeners, but you get the picture. I never thought about doing a Segway tour in Paris. It wasn't on my list of things to do. 
And now I've seen it on Expedia when I booked my flight. I maybe didn't book it there, but I thought, well, it sounds like a cool thing to do. So I think people need to understand that doing a jet ski wherever is not wasn't top of their mind on their trip to Orlando. But let me take a quick couple hour drive to the coast and do a jet ski for the afternoon. Sounds like a great plan. So it's a, it's a billboard as well. It's a free ad if the bookings aren't coming direct to you. So having those listings updated, having it in lots of places, yes, you'll pay a commission on some of that, but you'll also get a ton more direct bookings and you do build that brand through most of them. They, they don't all show your direct brand, but even the ones that don't, sometimes they sell a concept. When I started doing Hop On Up Off in San Francisco, it was difficult to start because it wasn't the thing to do in San Francisco. And my goal was always to make to make it the thing to do. And now you come to most big cities, hop on up off is a thing to do. And people are sheep and they like to do what others are doing. And it becomes the kind of thing to do when you get to that destination. So that's part of it as well. The leakage that's for us, and I'm guarantee this this number is pretty much universal on all, all uh distributors and OTAs, but the leakage on a product page is 98.5%. So if you have a product out there on on a distributor, you're probably only going to convert about one and a half, maybe 2%. So all those people looking at it, if there's some identifier on there, now in TripShock, we do hide the names for the most part, depending on the partnership, but your address is going to be on there. And I'll tell you, people copy the address, they paste it into Google, they'll find the vendor. It's not like it's to- it's extremely hard to do so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you, it, it's, it's a missed opportunity if you, have, if you can work with a you know, distributor, get your product on there. They're only going to be converting a very low amount. I would say um, di- converting direct, you're probably going to convert about 8 to 10% direct. Just, that's just from what we've seen on, on WaveRes for our own reservation system. So it's just pretty considerable that, that you're going to get all those views and you don't got to pay unless it actually converts. Yeah, I think, I think people, when you talk about like digital real estate, it's like someone's eyes are going to gloss over, right? They don't think about like, take it even away from a business. Or you go by a business and the, and like one of the lights are out or something like that. Like, I don't know if you all have seen them. I know you're a huge fan of memes, Christian, but like that daylight donuts and the D-A-Y-L is gone and just says like, or the A or whatever, it just <laughs> says I donuts. <laughs> That's like, if you drove by that place, like, are you really going to go there? So I like, what I like to explain it to people is that if you're looking at, if you're shopping to buy a house, right? Like if you're looking at Zillow, if you're looking at, if you're looking at whatever, realtor.com, it's not going to be like where you walk, like the floor isn't vacuumed up and there's crap everywhere. And the pictures were taken like on a, like a fucking flip phone or something like that. No, they're, they're the professional photos done. The house is clean. Like your website and all of your content, I don't care where it is. It, it has to be clean and mean. It has to be inviting. And I don't think people understand that at, at all. So that's why I think that, I think that's really interesting what your, what your company does and manage to get some um, uniformity of content across all these, all these different channels, because you know, even if you are sort of like hiding the the people's names or whatever, so they're not, you know, bouncing off your site as an OTA, Greg, and then going over and booking direct or whatever. I mean, you still want to have, there's still brand recognition there because even if, even if your name wasn't there and, and the company books to TripShock and or TripAdvisor, wherever, and they come to your 
they come to your location, they do business with you, and you do the right, you do the, you do a good job of reaching back out to them, making sure they're your customer now that you've acquired them from an OTA. You want to make sure that that brand recognition is still apparent in your content, that your pictures are still crisp. Like, oh yeah, no, I've, I've seen these pictures. I know this. I mean, you see an, you see a fucking iPhone, you see an iPhone, man. There's no, you don't need to see the Apple to know that it's not an Android. You know, it, it's, it's pretty clear that Apple's products are Apple's products. So, you know, to that, uh, to your point, to both of your points, I guess, uh, I, it's, I think it's so so essential to have continuity in your content. And uh, I, again, man, I you know you're you're not the most likable guy, Christian, <laughs> but no, I think Magpie is awesome, and I think I think it's a great I think it's a great idea, man. Yeah, we we all get blinded by our own businesses, right? We all spend all day focusing on our own businesses, <clears throat> whether that's our own engine or our own this or our own that, and you forget that these these tourists who are coming visiting. They're just they they start blind, you know. They start with Google. They do a weird search for something that you never thought of, and and they're seeing all kinds of weird images from different angles. And some of it's ads, and some of it's products. And and the more times you can get that display, like you say, with that consistent imagery for your company, the more they'll start to trust. Oh, these guys are everywhere. I've been to six different sites now, and I've seen these guys four times. Now all of a sudden, you must be the trusted thing to do in that destination, and that's. It's the old billboards, right? It's it's the old style advertising, but now it's on now it's on digital, and it, but yeah. the, the fundamentals still count. I always thought distribution was a great option for newer businesses, especially more more so than the. I mean, you can make a, a good strong case for if you're an existing business, but for new businesses, the turnkey opportunities to work with OTAs immediately once you get set up. Is also like there's businesses that have joined TripShock. They're brand new. They just got their business, their insurance, and everything. And on day one, we are bringing them bookings without a dime. They have to spend obviously commission, but you know, no nothing up front. And that's kind of the beauty of it is that for an operator to build the channels that we've done at TripShock in Northwest Florida and some of these other areas, we have hundreds of affiliate relationships. We our traffic is really strong on Google. We're spending a lot of money in PPC, like all the ramp up that that you would have to do. There's just no way that a, a, a smaller operator can reach what, how we can reach it. And you look at TripAdvisor, they can reach international customers and they feel real confident booking with the likes of TripAdvisor because they're familiar with them. Someone from Australia or France, if they came to our small part of Florida, they're probably not going to be looking at TripShock. Who are, who are these guys? They're going to be probably trusting like the major travel brands. And that's that's why it's really important to consider working with, you know, different OTAs, especially talking to the account reps and asking, you know, where are you pulling customers from? Because if if you're working with three OTAs that are pulling customers from area, uh, you know, you got you got to under, understand like what makes them different. One one situation that happens a lot, which I which I have to deal with is OTAs running pay-per-click campaigns. What I hate is when an OTA, all they do is run pay-per-click campaigns. They should be doing more. Like if Kevin signed up with TripShock and I just ran a pay-per-click campaign, he would not be working with us. Because <laughs> like what value, what other value does it bring? Like, and that's, that's a, I see that. And that's what really kills me about OTAs is that they have to bring more to the table. Do you have like multiple podcasts with some of your other partners? Are you not... <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 am I not the only one? I've been doing a podcast with Greg for like two years. 
<laughs> what, what's that called? The not the not hilarious podcast. <laughs> That was a terrible joke. I'm sorry. I'm trying my hand at English humor. Oh. I want to. Um, I, I agree with that. The, the the bidding on your brand, especially, and just pay per click. There's no value. Anybody can can jump on that. So if an OTA is only doing pay per click, then that's that. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. There's one argument to say they're going to be doing it anyway, so you may as well be on their site. But they do need to bring more value. But let me let me let me jump to the other side a second. I think one of the dangers in distribution is. People that get caught up having too much of their business in one OTA or in one distributor. And somebody told me years ago, and he was in Vegas, and he said, never let a, a single customer be more than 20% of your business. I forget if it was 20 or 25. And it was great advice. And he said, listen, if somebody's 20% or more of your business, they can shut you down by turning you off because any single reseller can turn you off overnight. And anyone can. And I've, And it's happened to me twice customers that have been 20% of my business and you just never know even if you think you know Vitor would never do that because they're gonna they're a big company you don't know who's gonna buy Vitor tomorrow and they're gonna change tact and stop selling activities altogether or only work with four companies each destination you got no idea what they're gonna do and people sit in these corporations and on one level, it's it's a line item, right? And they, they look at spreadsheets and line items and they make decisions based on that. So you've got to assume any single customer can turn you off overnight. Five years ago, we had five, five partners that did 50% of our total revenue and two of those left. Luckily, we had replacements already in the works. I mean, one of them went out of business uh, and just randomly. And another one just said, that they're not going to use OTAs anymore. They just cut off all their OTAs. Uh, not a good choice, but it is what it is. <laughs> you know, when you're a tour operator, it's just, it's the same thing. You don't want to have one OTA doing like uh, one good example, especially in water sports, is we work with multiple boat rental, multiple parasailing, multiple snorkeling, and when we got into these markets, we started off with one, and that one got the lion's share of the business, and then and then they relied too heavily on trip shock. So as we added more, uh, their their percentage went down and they've already were comfortable with the amount of business we were bringing them. We were a large part of their, their marketing. So they never really invested in any other channels. I had a lot of difficult conversations with that partner and they wanted exclusivity. And I'll tell you, no OTA is gonna, really going to give you exclusivity. I mean, not, not the good ones anyways, because you could go out of, you could have an, an incident, lose your insurance and be out of business. Why would an OTA want to risk that uh, and then tell everyone no? I mean, if, if I, I've, I've been in situations where I've told operators, well, I already have enough, you know, walking tours. I don't do that anymore because I could lose four in a, in a year. I, I don't know. So you can't go into the relationship thinking that you're going to be exclusive or have, and even if you get it in writing, I guarantee they're going to change it down the road. Because an OTA cannot scale if they only can have one walking tour, one attraction, one snorkeling charter. They they cannot scale that way. Well, it's something that it's something that I constantly tell any operator. You can when it comes to traffic, OTAs direct. If they're calling you, if they're emailing you, you can buy your traffic, you can rent your traffic, and you can own your traffic. And that latter, that third one. So this is to the listeners. This is the most important thing. As Christian said. You know, you you don't want any you don't want any one traffic source to it's like you don't want to be entirely reliant on Google. 
You don't want that to be your only traffic source. You don't want pay-per-click to be your only traffic source because just as a, a as a, uh, a uh, OTA can close their doors, Google could triple their prices next month if they want. So you have to figure out how you own your traffic. I'm a huge fan of, of emailing, of having massive, an email list, having direct contact with all of your customers and something I preach on this show constantly. I'm sorry, Christian. I, I got to get it out there every every single time. Renting to me is renting your traffic is 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 uh, is like OTA Google owning your traffic is when you have your contact your customers contact list you have all of their information and you can reach out to them truly truly directly sorry i had to get that out no i, I again i hate to i hate to agree but I, and i think a lot of people think that google is owning the customer and google can change organically it's it's it changes slowly but yeah going through anybody else is a risk so having a diverse distribution is essential. I, I lost my, my biggest customer at one time was a company called Look Tours in Vegas. It was probably 15 years ago now. And they turned me off overnight. I I was a bit, little bit naughty. I was competing with them in some markets on, on Google, and they didn't appreciate that. They thought they were giving me money to then compete against them elsewhere, which was true. And they, they turned me off overnight, 20% gone overnight. It was a chunk of money. Fortunately, it wasn't more than that. But Urban Adventures said recently, you know, part of the reason they shut that down, they were so reliant on Viator. I think they said it was 80% was Viator. And then Viator changed their algorithm, algorithm, opened it up. They were exclusive, kind of. They opened it up and they lost all their placements. And, and great great points about exclusivity, Greg, because you might think a person is is going to give you exclusivity at that OTA, but that person, as we all know, can be gone overnight. And if that disappears with that person, you're in trouble. So, yeah, I hate to agree with all of that, but absolutely. <laughs> why do you always why do you love to be so disagreeable, man? Like you said that before. Like, I, I, hate to agree, I hate to agree with you, Kevin, but you've only agreed with all of our points. So I'm glad that you could come on here and uh, learn so much. let's talk about what else can we disagree on Uh, you're going to leave here and you're going to make your own Christian Watts animated gif (laughs) so um, I want to jump in this this is a point that I I think is probably the the main one that businesses are concerned about is they feel like they just are busy enough this is that's the number one thing I hear oh we're too busy now I, I, I feel part of it is they just want to get you off the phone uh, but two, some legitimately are like in our market here in Florida for 100 days, Kevin could say no to the OTAs. He still keeps them on a, on a, on a limited basis, but and a lot of others do too. But I, I just kind of want to have some dialogue on, you know, why pay a commission even though you're sold out? That's what I was just going to, that was the point I wanted to talk about, busy enough. So th- really, I think it's, it's, an easy, it's an easy one to argue about, Bus- busy enough are you thinking outside the box? So are you are you busy enough for the for the six hours a day? Can you expand it to running for 12, 16 hours a day? Are you busy every day? Are you busy on a Tuesday and a Wednesday? You talk about the 100 days. Well, should we expand that to 120 days? So what what, what does busy enough mean? I think busy enough for a lot of people means on a, on a Saturday and Sunday, they're kind of full. So again, I'd go back to the pricing thing. If that's the case, if you think you're too busy, put your prices up and discount during the midweek or discount in the off season. There's very few cases where busy enough isn't just an excuse for, I feel like I'm doing all right, but I'm really complacent and I just don't want to deal with more stuff. I think anyone can put their price up and then discount when they need to or use 
OTAs to fill those quiet gaps. So if you only end up using TripAdvisor, Viator, whatever, to fill up your Tuesday, Wednesdays, then so be it. That That's great business. Or fill up your off-season. You can do that now because they're all platforms. You can turn stuff on and off. You're not going to get good placement if your stuff's constantly unavailable because you're too busy. But you know what? If they send you a handful of bookings just in the off-season, it's better than you were before. So I think this bit busy enough. We're, we're, we're busy enough, you could say, in San Francisco in July, August, September. But everyone in this city needs help in February and March. And I think that's the case for most people. I think a lot of operators feel like, and no, it's like the secret, the secret OTA and, and even like, and fair Harbor, a lot of operators, like as a first operator, I didn't know, like when I thought I opened up my doors, like that was it. Like I just, there could be no, Oh, scaling. Like you couldn't scale or scale back the, the OTA usage. And when you talk to fair Harbor, you know, they're owned by booking.com. And this is where I sort of get a little conspiratorial because they don't, everything in fair Harbor's a lot of time is sort of like, you know, like you'll, you'll call them up and you'll ask them and you'll say, Hey, can you do this? And like, no, we can't do that. And then you start digging and start digging, you start learning how to use fair Harbor and, and do stuff through fair Harbor on your own. And then you go, Oh, wait a minute. I found a workaround to this. So nobody ever just dealt directly tells you, Hey, you can use me on Tuesday and Wednesday. You think that you just open up the doors, they just have access to everything at all time, and there's you know there's no workaround to that. And and to and, and to that point is yes, these things are all these tools and partnership tool, whatever you want to call it. These you can use these tools to your advantage. So if you are slow on Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it may be, Monday, like you can crank up their your usage of those OTAs. It's not just like a one size fits all for everybody. And I think that's what most operators think that if I'm just going to turn on my lights, then, you know, these OTAs are going to eat me alive and they will, (laughs) they will. If, if you let them, but you don't always have to let them. You can talk to your res tech. You can find out a solution. There's workarounds for everything, guaranteed. If, if I told Greg, hey, Greg, uh, I want to keep my boats. I want to keep this. I want to keep that. But I really want you to go hard on my jet ski listing or my day of play listing. Greg's going to be like, cool, fine. Like everything is – It's most of this stuff is negotiable. And I think that's what a lot of operators don't understand. I want to touch upon what you said, Kevin, because we have operators that have nine, 10 different tours and and half of those don't sell very well. The other staff half sell extremely well. And I kind of use that as as a negotiation because the stuff that's not selling well direct is probably not going to sell well on OTAs too. It's going to take a little bit of work. And I, I love those partnerships because what we do is in return for getting some inventory for the stuff that is in high demand, we work out some added promotion for the stuff that's harder to sell. So that's where the word partnership actually comes into play, that we are working together to help fill seats on stuff that is harder to sell. Maybe it's a new product and in a, and the, the operator is giving us some product or some inventory to sell on the stuff that they could be selling direct for more. So it really balances out. That's where you got to really talk to your, your OTA reps and even your res tech reps and say, here, this is the challenge that I have. How can we, how can we get more distribution for this product? And how can we work, work it to where there's a, an opportunity for, for everybody? Yeah, hundred percent. We have, we have the same thing with Alcatraz, right? So we get a limited amount of Alcatraz tickets, we can sell those things six months in advance in the summer, no problem at all. But we give some out to distributors, to to OTAs, and we give them stuff that we could sell for 100% because 
because in return they will sell us or they'll sell other products either in the peak season or they'll sell our Alcatraz packages in the winter. So yeah, it's a negotiation and everyone's trying to make money. If, if you've got a product that does sell out, you, you're in a good place of, of leverage, which is great. So use that to sell, as Greg just said, the, the less popular products and start building some demand for that. Absolutely negotiation. There's some qualities that I see in operators that use distribution. And the one, the main quality I see is companies that want to grow and they want to grow fast, they use OTAs. I don't know. It's, it seems to be something that I that just I, I see across all markets. Kevin, you're a good example. Kevin, you were one of the first boat rental companies to go on an OTA in this area. Well, with the exception of, of, of a couple, but in Fort Walton Beach, I believe you were the first one uh, to jump on. And I always see the guys that are really hungry. They jump on OTAs. They go hard on them. They're smart with them. And that's, I just, everyone I see using using them uh, has done well. I don't know. Do you guys feel the same? Ultimately, if, if a guy like Kevin can work it out, then anyone should be able to. <laughs> <laughs> man, I think we just found our third fucking host, man. Yeah. I think we could really have like a. <laughs> Great dynamic here, man. I love it. That's that's right, man. That's right. I, you got it figured out, man. Don't let the don't let the throat and hand tattoos fool you. I'm a total idiot. So, but 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 looking at it though, the businesses that are like are a lifestyle business, those are the ones that are always the most challenging to 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 work with, just from an OTA standpoint, because they're fine where they're at. And if if you are fine with where you're at as a business, then you know getting more business is probably not something you're excited about. You know, if you're okay with just having five kayaks and running a tour, OTAs are meant to grow businesses. I I feel like that's like most of our clients they want they want growth, like they want more revenue. They want to add more buses or they want to add more boats. They want to add more rentals. So I don't know. That's just, that's something I've seen. If you're really serious about growing your business, growing your revenues, OTAs can can help it, especially if you're very active with them, care about your content, use services like Magpie, get good res tech. Uh, those are those are all, that's the combinations. And I know that this is not gonna be the first episode that we talk about uh, OTAs. This is kind of like the, the, seer, the first of the series. Can we can we can we end it while culminating in where I launch my own? Can we do that at the end? Be like, it's the OTA show. Kevin's got one too. Yay! <laughs> I just want to put one last point on people who think they're okay and they they sell enough. And everyone's got everyone's got pain points, right? And stress. And I think a lot of those people, if you dig down and say, why do you think you sell enough? And why do you think you're busy enough? And they're going to come back, really, if they think about it, and they're going to say, well, I've got too much admin. It takes me forever to do paperwork. Oh, I spend too much time doing this. Everyone's stressed about something. And they don't want to grow because growing causes them more stress in one of those other areas. But I look at it, if you grow, you've got more cash, and you can pay someone to deal with that stuff that you don't want to deal with, your paperwork or whatever it is. So that's a reason to grow, even for people that don't think they want to grow, is because you can bring in more help. And then you can do the stuff that you want to do or the stuff that you're better at. So that, that's for me, that's always a reason why everyone should be looking to grow. Not that you need to be a bigger company, but you can then focus on the stuff that you want to do or you should be doing. Yeah, man. I, lo- I love I love to agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I uh, I'm, I'm I'm joking, but it's it's so true because I, I don't know. There is I in fact I just in our group, um oh shameless plug, uh the uh 
the uh, water sports. Man, it's such a long. We got to rebrand that, dude. That's such a long. I always forget what our name of our Facebook water sport group is called. Tour so, professionals sponsored by AWG. That is ridiculously long, man. We got to do something about that. Anyway, in in <laughs> water sports tours and professionals sponsored by Aqua Water Sports, guys. The group I just made a post saying what cuz we're we've been like bouncing like topic ideas around and stuff. I'm like, "Well, instead of asking people like what they like to do, let's talk about asking people what they hate about their business because that's exactly right, Christian." Like I there's certain things about my business I don't want to touch with a 10 foot pole and I do want to spend time on doing what I enjoy about my business which is count my money no I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no but there there are th- there are obviously inherent like great things that I love about my business that I want to spend time doing on it and I can't grow you're absolutely right I can't grow if I'm too busy like trying to like do the balancing act of the one of the one man show you know and it ends up becoming uh, you know the old uh the old trope about, you know, you don't own your business, your business owns you. And it's not necessarily just about like wild, crazy growth. It's about growing strategically, like Christian said, so you can, so you can focus on what you're good at, because then you can pay somebody to do what you're not very good at. So it's all becomes like sort of feeding into each other in a positive feedback loop. And then your company is growing in the right ways. And all of those boxes are getting ticked off in the correct way. And nothing is suffering, not your digital marketing, not your digital real estate, not your customer service, not your bank account, and not your personal life. Yeah. So with that, I think uh, that brings us to an end, right, Greg? I've, I've, man, we're we went long on this one. Yeah, just, lots totally, of lots of editing. Totally worth it. Oh yeah, lots of it. Yeah. My <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to bring my kid in here and interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Christian. Uh, yeah, we, we really appreciate you coming on the show and and talking with us today. Uh, tell us a little. Tell our listeners a little bit about how they can uh, or learn more about Magpie or yeah, uh, Magpie.travel is the website. Um, feel free to jump on there if you've got questions we've got a live chat if you want to connect directly linkedin is the best place to find me usually um and hit me up on a linkedin connection and then ask me a question through that um email christian at magpie.travel so any of those places i'm also on clubhouse for many hours a day if anybody's on clubhouse so join us on there as well always love to hear different perspectives we love feedback on the product it is a newish product so we just want to hear people using it and beating it up and find different ways they can use it. So we're just very, very open to hear from as many suppliers as we can. And Christian, I think you're going to be at Arrival in October in Orlando. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to, to be there. I can't wait for it. So if any of you, uh, the fact that I just I just love what Douglas and Bruce and all their teams done with Arrival. It's, it's, a, it's a trade show for activities and tour, trade show slash conference. Um, and uh, it, Christian and Kevin, myself, and a lot of people that listen, I, I know go to, to go to the arrival shows. But uh, Christian will be there. We'll be there. But uh, you can meet him in October. So put it on your calendar. Christian, thanks again for coming on the show. And as always, keep it awkward. You've been listening to the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. If you're in the water sport industry, this is the podcast that brings the business perspective to parasailing, jet and ski boat rentals, sailing, snorkeling, and everything else. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Be sure to sign up to our email list at watersportpodcast.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening.
Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you have further thoughts, questions, or comments about this episode, head to our Facebook group, Water Sport and Boat Tour Operators, to continue the conversation. See you next time.